0: Welcome to The Fight with Teddy Atlas. I'm Ken Rideout, joined as always by legendary trainer and the newest member of the International Boxing Hall of Fame, the great Teddy Atlas. Teddy, how are you?
1: I'm good. I thought that maybe it wouldn't be too, I don't know, one of those words that I don't like, presumptuous or silly, to wear this shirt now. I've had it probably about five years. I never wore it. Uh-huh. Um, I bought it one time when I was doing a fight plan. I had never went to the Hall of Fame uh, during the induction weekend, but I'd been up there to do fight plans when we were doing Friday Night Fights. And, yeah, you guys remind me, my microphone, sometimes you <laughs> don't hear me. And think, give kind of big, give him a big uh, hug out there in the way that you give hugs. Because he's the <laughs> one who's making sure that my volume was up the way you guys want it to be up. So... Uh, doing 18 years of Friday Night Fights I've done a bunch of fight plans up there and some interviews so that was the only time I was up there but never during the actual weekend when it's happening and so I I had this shirt but I would never wear it I felt I don't know it just feels like you're you're being silly like you're trying to show somebody that you're something that you should just be whatever you are but I'm not gonna wear it probably ever again (laughs) because of those feelings. But I figured on this show, since you guys like shirts, um, it would be appropriate and it would be okay. You would allow me uh, to wear it at least one time. Uh, and again, it's not that you're trying to raise a flag or anything, but I figured, it was a, as I said, it was appropriate. It would be fun to wear it. And I could finally get it out of the closet and my wife told me to throw it away because it, <laughs> I, I never wear the damn thing. So figure, all right, get it on, but it was, you guys were up there, you and Rob came up there, and I appreciate it, appreciate you being there, appreciate all my family, of course, it was better than I thought it was going to be, it was, um, I never thought I would talk in in these terms, but if there was a heaven for boxing people, that's it. (laughs) <laughs> no for sure it was it really was well done and you got 300 volunteers who the whole town embraces it I mean it's a town affair it's a love affair the town 5,000 people in canestota, and they all come out they all come out for the parade and they're all involved and then people migrate from all over the boxing people from everywhere from all over the country to get there I mean from London I had people coming in they said we flew in from London I said you really did you really flew in I said, "Yeah, Teddy, we we flew in for this.
0: It's an unbelievable weekend. If you're a boxing fan, I mean, to get up close and personal with guys like yourself, Marvin Hagler, Michael Moore, or Mickey Ward. The highlight of the weekend, <laughs> chatting was, with yeah. Mickey.
1: Well, we have a we did an interview with Mickey, and um, you guys, oh. you're, you're hearing. I mean, when we get it up, but it was." Mickey's special. I mean, Mickey's special. What he's done in the ring. He's special outside the ring. He's a sort of the earth. I think that's a proper phrase for him. Soul of the earth type person. There's not a million swords of the earth type people, when you use those kind of terminologies. And um, he he gave us an interview. We did a. Uh, you, he said something. He made. He said something on our interview that he had never talked about before. And you guys, when you see it, you you understand. But, um, he he made a he made a statement about something that took place in his life and um i didn't know he was going to go there i i asked him some questions to try to understand for you guys to understand how you become that that special that hard and that hard you know he's such a special person outside the ring such a beautiful person but then he becomes that hard person that that extraordinarily hard person that you have to be to have gone through the the wars and the fires that he's gone through in his life in the ring. And how do you become that? I mean, I mean, part of it is the development in, in the gym. I understand that. I mean, few would understand it better. I mean, it's what I do. But I also understand, having understood that, that it's got to be from more than just there. It's got to be from outside. It's got to be from life. And so we talked about that, and he gave us an answer that part of me was, I'll be honest, part of me was... Um, Ashamed of myself that I went there. I didn't know. I mean, I was oh, like, but but Mickey had no problem with it because Mickey's honest. Mickey's Mickey. Mickey, you know, Mickey lives his life as it should be lived, as an open book of of truth and as we should all live it. And so he's got nothing to, so, but he said, I, I don't think I've talked about this before, yeah. you know, and that moment became the moment he talked about it. Yeah. Not too many people would be that forthright and that honest uh, about it but then again not too many people like Mickey Ward yeah. that could face the things, if you could face the things he faced you could face whatever it is in your life that uh, somebody might not know about and um, might not understand but he when he came out with it, when he said what he said I I did, I felt like why did I go there but I, I was just going to not know it was taking us there just that it was going to take us to somewhere that would just explain how you become as as i said how you could become as extraordinarily rough mentally tough <laughs> durable um impenetrable how do you become that um so and he told us and he it was like like i said i i felt I felt a little mad at myself that not knowing it was going to take us to that place. But um, then again, there's, like Mickey would say, there's nothing to be mad about. It's, if he didn't want to say it, he wouldn't say it. That's and right. And he's obviously that kind of man. But it was it's an interview that you people will, I, I hope you're going to like it. And um, But getting back to the Hall of Fame, it was just a special, it was better than I thought it would be. It was a special time. Uh, as I said my speech, the most important thing for me was sharing it with family and friends. Yeah. And being able to... This sport takes... You know, I've always tried to use my platform and ESPN and other places for more than just... You know, we, we get paychecks for what we do. And um, I wanted to use the platform for a little more than that if I could because I felt I could mm. To I'm no hero but I thought that I could help the fighters I could help the sport uh, by having that platform in spots, in places so if I could I, and I had those spots and those places I was not hesitant to use it for that I felt that it was almost—you uh, don't want to make yourself that important—but it was like a responsibility a little bit. That if I could be in that position, and boxing doesn't have a national czar, doesn't have a national commission, it doesn't have the protective mechanisms in place like the other sports have, right? To protect it, I figured, hey, I'm not like I'm, I'm not looking for the job, but uh, it doesn't exist. And again, if I could. If I could help out a little bit, if I could put a light in places that could better uh, the sport a little bit or advance the sport in some ways or help the fighters in some ways, I felt like I should do it. That's
0: the and part of that. That's the part that I really enjoyed is that you were getting recognized for being the voice of boxing and for well, your I don't honesty. Know about that,
1: but I, I just, I the point I'm making is that. When I, when you choose to do that, and you spend your life over forty years in one thing, like I have in boxing, like I said in my speech, you know somebody once said to make an omelet, you got to break up, you got to break some eggs, mm-hmm. and to have a career, you got to miss stuff, and when you miss it. You might be able to deal with it, but it, it also impacts your family. And nobody knows how it affects you, because I'm not going to show them. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like being a fighter. You know, you watch a fighter, watch a human being and anything. And you people out there, you know, you you might be going to your first board meeting. Oh, my God. You know, I, I'm so scared. I'm so nervous. I got to go to the bathroom again. Does uh, it show? It doesn't show. You think it shows, but it doesn't show because you're putting forward the front you need to put forward. You don't realize that. Because just because you feel it inside don't mean that it shows. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nobody sees it unless you do something to show it. Probably something weak and give in to it. But we all feel it. And so, you know, I... When, when you're involved in a career and like I said, you you put forward all that, that time and you're not showing, you know, when I had to miss certain things for the family, I'm not gonna, you're not gonna see it in me. But, it, it hurts. And, you know, for me, what the whole representative was, with all those dates that I missed, like, you know, you miss a dance recital for your daughter. You miss birthday parties. You miss uh, holidays, graduations, Christmases. Like I said, Thanksgivings. And you miss those things. You don't get them back. Now, we know why you do it. You're not a, you know, you don't get an award for it. You're being a father, you're being a provider, you're being a husband. whatever you do but it deteriorates you and then you go because you feel like you missed out on something you feel like you didn't give something to the most important people in your life without them there's no reason to do what you do your family and so it erodes you uh, to a certain degree you don't show it you don't show it but you you feel it. And then you go into camps and you go around the world and you train these fighters. Like I'm not, I'll say it. I trained, uh, one of them was Donnie Lalonde. He wound up getting a $6 million fight with Leonard. We won't go into it heavy, but uh, I wasn't there for the $6 million. But what was I there for? I was there to get to that point, to develop them, to build them. And... Some of those places was not Caesars Palace, Las Vegas. it was Enid, Oklahoma for one hundred dollars that's was that was my take one hundred dollars and it was a little bit after Thanksgiving, so I had to train him so on Thanksgiving morning, instead of being in a parade, you know with my beautiful beautiful son who had rosy cheeks and he was three years old and he looked like a little pumpkin and you know, he was waiting for dad to take him to the parade. I couldn't go. I was in Gleason's gym instead uh, with the keys because the owner gave me the keys early in the morning, training them before we went to eat in Oklahoma because that's what I needed to do. And um, you, and then you you don't have the other things that you think you're doing it for, the payoff, because... You get let down and like everybody does in life. You get let down, you know. Sometimes it's stronger, you get betrayed. But you get let down. You know, it happens. Hey, it's part of life. And um so you don't get to pay off for your kids the reason why you missed that Thanksgiving parade. And you know, so there's a lot of those things and a lot of pieces. You know, we understand I always f- try to fight for the fighters because a piece of them could be lost in the ring. I always say it. Why do I fight for the fighters? Because when they go in the ring, they don't come out whole sometimes. And But as a trainer, you're not taking the punches. But there's emotional blows. They take something out of you. And um, you do get f- physical blows. I've had every tooth cracked <laughs> because when you're teaching them, mess. I always wondered if they were by accident. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I, mean, I, I got you know, to uh, believe
0: Michael Moore might have let a few well, slip they, off the I, pad. I think
1: there was a couple that he might have uh, <laughs> you know, but, but let his judgment, but let his, his his aim go off a little. He he deserves it. He deserved it. He deserved, it. He deserved to get one back at me. Well, super but, nice of him uh, to join yeah, up Yeah, he the flew hall. in. Yeah. But the point I'm making is that you go... And just like the fighters lose a piece, you go through a career like that, and you you do lose pieces of yourself all over the place in different gyms, and um, in different boxing arenas all over the country, even in places like Enid, Oklahoma, which I never heard of till I got there. <laughs> and you uh, you don't get them back. You 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 get depleted. You do you get you, you become less of yourself a little bit and you do it for the better again you're not not no martyr, no no but we're talking life we're talking truth um you you get deteriorated a little bit you do and you try to remind yourself you try to be better I try every day to be better to not take it out on someone to not be short not to be any less respectful with this guy than you would with the guy who's you know maybe the CEO of ESPN uh but you you do lose you lose something you lose a little bit of yourself and the hall of fame for me was a chance to get some of that back to get some of those pieces back for your family to get that thanksgiving day back to your son you know and i didn't think it would be that but it was to get it back and to say to your son, as I said to each one of my members, my family, my wife, thank you. Uh. Princess, my daughter, Nicole, thank you. Bud, it's my son. I call him Bud, thank you. So it was it couldn't be better than that. It doesn't get better than that. And that's what it was, and it was special, and I never thought it would be, to be honest. Because what's a Hall of Fame? Really, it's it's a it's too much about people patting themselves on the back sometimes, and uh, that's not pretty. But this wasn't not that. It wasn't that. It was it was the chance to again to just get a hole again a little bit to to for your family to to give them something that you took away from them, and um, so in that way it was really special when you guys were there. And I had so many friends that flew in from all over the country, Vegas and L.A. and Lake Tahoe, my production crew. Uh, most of them all came in, the ones that count to me, the ones that have been with me for all those years at ESPN, they all flew in. Uh, my producers, the ones that were there from the beginning, uh, like Matt Sanduli, all those guys, they they all came in. And it was... It was extraordinary. I mean, I made a joke. A couple of my f- guys came in. They drove twelve hours from Kentucky, and they brought real Kentucky moonshine. <laughs> and, you know, but um, but it was uh, it was really special, and the fans, all the fans that were there, and you guys, and you guys even ran in. And, a couple of races, they had a 5K race and a, what was the other one?
0: 5K and 12K. A 12K. Three miles and seven and a half.
1: Yeah, and but you know, a lot of people, a lot of entrants. Do you remember how many entries were in them? I know it was a pretty good amount.
0: I'm not sure the because total, I started was, the race they yeah. asked me to
1: start the race and do I you me- remember the false well, start I, I messed that up <laughs> no, the, I, I messed it up the police cruiser the police
0: cruiser was in front of the car right in front of the race and uh, the directors telling Teddy alright just tell him on your market set so as Teddy yells go and I look up the cop is standing in the road outside of his car waving frantically it reminds me of a scene from the movie Animal House when the uh, parade <laughs> goes crazy and the cop is like everyone remain calm and uh, eventually Eventually, everyone stopped and we started over again. But that was uh, quite a moment. Well, I always
1: try to do things differently, and uh, that was <laughs> different. Why <I>, you <I> started <laughs> race once when you could start it twice? So you it know, was definitely entertaining. You guys ran in both races. Uh, you ran in the 12k, and Rob ran in the 5k, yep. and uh, you both won. And there was, like I said, there was a lot of entries. And from what I understand, not only did you just win, there was <laughs> nobody was near you guys I mean, <laughs> because I was there at the finish line. And it was, you guys came in and we had to wait a while for everyone else. You guys were really something, you you ran great races and um, you were 15 seconds, if I remember someone was telling me, off for of the, the the record for it, the fastest ever, and I'm not putting words in your mouth, but I don't think you were pushing it because there was kind of like nobody really near you. Yeah. And you easily could have, I think you could have easily broke that record if you've, you would have known. You should have known. You should have known. You push. <laughs> you was, push. Even if someone's not there. Even I if know. someone's not. Learn a lesson.
0: No, I learned. Someone's not me. there.
1: You push. I learned. <laughs> and um, so you you didn't break it. You're 15 seconds off it. Um, so now we have to. We have to maybe go to another Hall of Fame just so you can break that record. But <laughs> you uh, you guys were great, and everybody was up there, and. Sam Rivera came up there and did some... Yeah, some, Sam Rivera films. Uh, yeah, he got a
0: lot of good footage of you that hopefully we'll be able to share some of those clips in uh, coming special episodes. And I just want to share a few things um, from the Hall of Fame that I know you're not going to talk about and some of them you may not even know. But uh, one of the things that I was talking to your wife about, Elaine, who's just the nicest person thanks. in the world, literally the first person on Sunday morning to send me a text saying, Happy Father's Day. Um, she's just the best. She's so supportive. And, uh, she shared some stories with me as we were on Saturday, um, when we arrived, they had a you know there were a bunch of different events and one of the events was um, an autograph signing um, session basically outside of the hall and there was a line literally around the block and I know they had you on a, a very tight schedule. Ed Brophy wants to make sure he gets as many people into as many events as he could, and they were saying, Teddy, come on, we got to get to the chicken barbecue or whatever is next. And I see the line and I look at you and I looked at Ed and I said, Ed, I promise you, he's not going to leave until this line is done. And sure enough, we stayed there for probably two hours longer than should. Blew off the chicken barbecue, unfortunately for those people that were waiting there. But not only did you sign all the autographs, but there was a little kid there, shadow box, and you got down and started giving him some mid work. You took pictures with every person and listened to every single story about every fight that they ever attended. It was, it was just a some really honest. Uh, emotional moments of you just connecting with the fans. But one of the stories that your wife shared with me was um in the past when you were training fighters that one time she took the kids, you literally had a connecting flight in New York and she took the kids to the airport just so they could spend a few minutes with you between while you were rushing from one flight to the next. And she said it was so emotionally draining on everyone in the family. that she was like, that's the last time we ever did that. It was just too hard. And she also talked about when your son was very young and he would call you from camps and he'd say, Dad, what are you watching on TV? And then he'd put the same thing on. What color is the room? And he'd pretend that he was in the same room just to connect with you. And anyone out there who has children can, will be able to identify with this because I've done similar things with my own kids. And those are the kind of moments where, I, I don't know about you, but when I hang up, I'm like an emotional mess because I'm like, you just don't want to miss anything. But like you said earlier, when you're the provider, it's like a fine balance. And my children, I was here yesterday for Father's Day, and they're like, "Dad, we want you to be here." And sometimes I have to remind them of like, "You, you like those Air Jordan shoes and all the nice things." Like, I can't just go and pick those out of a pick those off the shoe tree. So I have to go. Well, I'm glad you have a real <laughs> job because you shows how I make it. Here. <laughs> hey, I'd pay you to do this. This is uh, this is my dream job. Um, Although
1: we we're getting there, we're we're getting to a. To a place where actually uh, people are coming to us because of you guys. Actually, that's sponsors. a
0: good segue. We have our first sponsor today, and uh, we couldn't be more proud to have them involved. And uh, just to give some background for the fans, we're only working with sponsors and um, partnering with brands that we've identified as partners that we want. We've reached out to them. And the first one that we have here today is um, 10,000. They're a sports apparel company and they really specialize in workout shorts. And you know, they have copy they'd like me to read, but I want to just tell you like personally, Organically, what I really think about them, and
1: that's know, what that's consistent with what this show is. Yeah, and, we, we and say what we feel
0: exactly. And and as you mentioned, you know, we Rob and I run a lot. Our producer Rob Moore and Teddy, obviously, in the gym with um, current trainer, current fighter Alex Vosdick, frequently, and um you know, finding a pair of shorts that works, especially when it's hot out like it's been, is important, especially when you're running, like, this morning I ran 15 miles. It's important that you have stuff that works good because if you're not running in shorts that are comfortable for 15 miles in this humidity, it's not going to be a pretty sight when you go to take a shower. Um, And those people who run know exactly what I'm talking about. But these guys... If I ran
1: 15 miles, we'd be doing a promo for... stretches (laughs) on wheels.
0: Well, everything is relative in life. If I could box really well, I wouldn't have to uh, run so much to prove that I'm still relevant. I'd have all my title belts hanging in my trophy room instead of trying to win the 4th of July turkey trot. the 4th of July raised the turkey trot on Thanksgiving. But anyway, these guys at 10,000. Go to 10,000.cc slash the fight for exclusive um, discount code for our listeners. Um, If you like the show, Obviously, this stuff isn't free for us to produce. This helps us offset some of the costs. And if you want to support the show, please support the sponsor. I'll get
1: right to it. If you want us to stay and keep doing this, please.
0: Uh, and there's one way that we'll be able
1: to continue doing this. And um, there'll be other sponsors too. This is, I think, one of our first.
0: First of a few right? that we're working on. Yep. But, so uh, and, if you and can I'll, help these guys.
1: I mean, listen, you shouldn't just do it. There's got to be incentives for everything in life right so for me one would be you like to see our mugs and hear our voices um you'd like something about what we do then again it takes something to be able to continue doing this and sponsors is one of those somethings all right that's number one number two i wouldn't do it and either would can but i can only speak for myself i wouldn't do it until i tried to stuff on and I don't need extra shorts, so I, it's not like I needed the product. But um, I said, if if I'm gonna do it, you gotta give me some product, and I gotta wear it, I gotta put it on, and I did. And uh, first of all, it's athletic enough where it, it you can move with it. It it fits good, it fits properly. It's not you know too baggy or nothing. Um, but for me, at least, and it conforms to your way. you can move and it's athletic. You said you can run, you do what you're supposed to do in shorts. But what I liked about it also was I wear a lot of shorts. I wear a lot of sweatsuits. I'm in the gym and I'm always casual. And in the gym, of course, that's what you want to wear. And when I go back to training Volzik, Alexander Volzik, I'll be wearing, um, thank you, 10,000. I'm going to have more shorts to wear. But you can also you can put a polo shirt on and it it it's like a dress pants too and that's kind of like a little unique for me at least because i'm always wearing those you know the everlast shorts you know <laughs> and you, you're not really putting polo shirts on with them i mean you're putting a gym shirt on with them but with these you can you can put on a nice shirt and, and hey presto you go from the freaking gym you should take a shower first <laughs> i, I won't say that but you can make the transition from the gym uh right to going out to get something to eat uh as long as they allow shorts uh with uh without having to change any apparel yeah and so these guys like they, versatility they, baby
0: they do one thing and they do it well they make shorts they have three choices so if you're into crossfit uh lifting weights um, running, whatever the case may be, they've got you covered. So give them a give them a look. If you li- if you like them, please let them know. Tell them you heard about us. Uh, you heard about them on the fight. It really helps us a lot, honestly. Um, so with that, Teddy, we uh, I want to get into some of the previous fights, some of the most recent fights, and starting with uh, Triple G and Steve Rolls. Um, very much a mismatch in hindsight. I mean, not too. No, hard. no, no, no,
1: no. I'm going to correct you. Okay. Not, uh, not in hindsight. We said on the air, if we're wrong, we're going to say it. Yeah. And you guys are going to hear it. So it's not like we could keep a secret anyway. Uh, but if I'm correct, I said fourth round. I, I think I said, th- I said, I think uh, somewhere around three, four, I might have put in five. But I think... Uh, we could always go to the videotape, but to, I think- To clarify, for,
0: hindsight probably isn't the re, isn't the best word, but what I should say is the fight played out almost exactly as you described it yeah, would. But,
1: uh, and listen, it, it's not that we're, well, I guess I am standing and taking kudos. So I shouldn't say it's not like, but when we're wrong, we're gonna live by that too. Uh, can't be right all the time. But I, it wasn't hard for me because I watched tape of the guy I'm supposed to know something about this business. Hopefully, that's why one of the reasons why you guys listen. But we were pretty much on a button with it. And, but, it, I mean, part of it is it's become the formula for these promoters with these mega deals with the networks to give a layup, yep. you know, to give the first one an appetizer, uh, to give a freebie. Uh, they did it with, Canelo in the first one. Yep, before they gave him a real fight, they uh, did it with Wilder. They did it with with everybody. They did it with Fury. We'll get to that later. Um, and they did it with Triple Tree. So it's the formula. So it's not Teddy Atlas being smart or anything because it's you don't have to be the Mason Creskin to figure out they're they're not going to put him in, you know, with uh, Carmen Basilio, <laughs> right? Yeah. We we understand. or Jake Lamato or. or dare I say, the great Sugar Ray Robinson. I won't even go there. But uh, the ones they said are great enough. But we, there was, it's not just that we got it right as far as it being four rounds or somewhere in that vicinity, but we got it right about how it would unfold. I remember using the analogy that if a Kids coming up to the big leagues for the first time facing a pitcher like a Bob Gibson, you know, and Golovkin could be Bob Gibson, right? Yeah. A, a, a guy that's known, a guy that's been great. And well, the first thing Bob Gibson would do to that new kid coming up to the big leagues is welcome to the big leagues <laughs> and give a high and tight 100 mile an hour fastball under the year. <laughs> I remember saying that here. Yeah. Say, well, what represents a high and tight. 100-mile-an-hour fastball under the ear in boxing. What could Triple Tree do? Go put some water in the basement, bang him in the body, and make him know this is different. Make him know this feels different. It's never felt like this for you before. You're in the big leagues. Introduce him to the big leagues. Let him start thinking the wrong way immediately so you get him out. And that's where I figured it could be four rounds, and he did it. He he went and put water in the basement. He went and put the high tight one under his chin, the, the fastball, right down the middle. In this case, the left hooks and the right hands to the body. Yeah. And he introduced him to, Rolls being him, he introduced him to uh, a different level of fighting, to a different feel. He mm-hmm. let him know right away. This oh, yeah. this, this, this It feels different, <laughs> don't it? <laughs> yeah, it does. You know, and... um. You know maybe the next sponsor, if I could do more of this would be Campbell soup because <laughs> that's uh, you're listening to Campbell's out there, so we can keep doing these things uh because that 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 comes next when you bang a guy in the body that ferociously Campbell's soup for about a week, yeah, uh because that's what you're drinking, that's what you're eating uh because you're not taking in solids so that's that's how the fight panned out, and I'll tell you I you want my evaluation on him? Mm-hmm. Okay, thanks. I My evaluation on him, my report card, and, you know, I'm, I'm I'm critical when I have to be critical, but I try to be complimentary the same way if it calls for it. I think Jonathan Banks did a good job. I think that he looked better to me. Now, I know some people are going to say he got hit. Teddy got hit with this punch. He pulled, yeah, he pulled back. He got hit a punch that probably looked more than it was because the way he got caught, um, it was pretty visual. He got caught pulling back. He got caught stopping his head in the middle once. But I think it was because he was trying new things. I saw new things. I saw an improved fighter from when he was with the other guy. Uh, Abel Sanchez. Uh, yeah. I, I, saw, I saw an improved fighter. What did I see? What did you see, Ted? Well, first of all, I saw someone revitalized. I thought that he wasn't worn out physically. I thought he was fresher physically. I think that Sanchez had overtrained him in some fights. Mm-hmm. I've mentioned that. I I saw a guy that was fresher physically. He looked like he had more pep to him. Yeah, he looked a little younger. He mm-hmm. looked a little revitalized physically and mentally, uh, where it was fun for him again. Where where he had a different energy than I had seen recently. Where he was almost starting to look stale. Yeah. Uh I thought in the last Canelo fight he looked physically. Drained. Yes, I I felt that. I saw again. I saw where he didn't look that way. He he looked he looked fresher and stronger. And part of the proof is the way he went to that body. I saw more combinations. I saw a different array of combinations. I saw a little bit more creativeness uh, instead of the same old stuff. He was more creative uh, putting punches together. Uh, I saw head movement that I hadn't seen. Yeah, some of it was from too far away. It was, from from my uh, from my point of view. But he was doing it. He was trying. And he had the right idea. And that idea was given to him by somebody that he hadn't gotten before that yeah. because he hadn't really shown that uh, to that degree, to that level. So I saw all those things. And those are good things. And I give Jonathan Banks credit for that because he's the man that was there in in this transition. And I also saw to the point of creativeness and to the point of being just mentally more up and more yeah. more like, like it was fun again, was I saw I loved the way he finished the fight. And I guarantee you there's very few people out there, I know the commentators didn't mention it, that picked up on how he finished his fight. And if you guys watch it, watch it with this in mind. He turned southpaw. Nobody mentioned it. He turned southpaw and he delivered and there's my man. My man never lets me down. Rob, uh, a producer here. And he turns southpaw. Now see, he's in the orthodox position. Left foot forward, you know. Now looks, so he turns southpaw. And he goes back to orthodox again. Now again, left hand forward, left foot forward. He's a orthodox fighter right now. He's got him up against the ropes. He's look he's looking for the finishing punch. Southpaw. He turned southpaw. Freeze that. Go back, and some people will see this and appreciate it the way it should be appreciated. It wasn't an accident. Watch. Now, keep it there. Look, I will right, we'll get back to it. But he, he's he got him in trouble. He's looking for a stop. He's looking for a finishing punch, right? So he turned southpaw. Now, let me tell you, this is his own little genius and why, you know, obviously he's a world champion. And I know I've knocked Triple G, say he's overrated. Uh, but I didn't say he wasn't really good, and you know he's been king for a while. And I think sometimes he got away with it with Sanchez with his physicality. But part of it, before we go too far here, he's he's not in with the highest level of opponents. That's what so I that's, was just going to say. Yeah, no, and you're right, and you're very right. Very overmatched. But here he showed some of that creativeness and some of why he is king. He turns southpaw because he knows that. He's changing the angles of his punches. That's going to change the eyesight and the eye coordination of of rolls. What do I mean by that? All of a sudden, the punches are coming from one angle. Now they're coming from a different angle, so the eyes don't match up quick enough. They don't make the adjustments quick enough to the punches coming from a different angle. And just a little subtle thing like that can create a knockout. This was created. The point I'm making is, you know, I know he did it with this level, but he did it because of his brain, his intellect, his experience. He's calm enough under uncalm circumstances to, to do this, to turn southpaw where suddenly the left hand became the power hand, mm-hmm. not the jabbing hand, not the set-up hand anymore. Now it became the power hand, just like the right hand is normally the power hand because it's the back, it's the back hand where you could turn into, where you could turn and... Put your back into it, like there. Now, just keep it there. So, watch, watch this now. So he turns southpaw. So now it's going to come from a different angle, and the left hand becomes the power hand, not the setup hand anymore. It's the power hand now, where he could turn his foot into it. He could turn his back into it. It's coming from a further place back instead of from here, where that normally would be the jabbing hand from the lead. But watch this. Don't do it yet. But when he throws his punch. He places it over here, behind the glove, over here. I was gonna say he doesn't just shoot it straight, it no, kind of just a slight
0: loop around his yeah, around you know Rolls' why? right hand
1: was beautiful. So he could blind him. Yeah. He did it because he knew this glove was gonna do some of his work for mm-hmm. him. He knew this gl- glove was gonna blind Rolls mm-hmm. because the glove's gonna get higher. And it's he knew it would take his peripheral away, his vision. And he recognized that under these extreme conditions and he changed the trajectory and he made this punch go over here. Normally it would just come down slightly. here, yeah, yeah, just, it would normally come down here, come down the pike down, yeah. down highway one Oh one, but no, he makes it come around here where rolls eyes can't pick it up. Now watch, right. let it roll out and watch this. This is really boom. He never saw the punch right. because he threw it from a blind alley. Mm-hmm. And again, you probably didn't hear that that night, but you if if you're watching this and if you're buying these
0: shorts <laughs> ten thousand dollars
1: all right if you're buying if you're buying these shorts, you continue to be able to get stuff like this, yeah, and you continue to you know get these kind of insights hopefully but here we are, and that that is just a magnificent piece of work there under those kind of extreme conditions, inside that squared circle, where you know things are chaotic, where <laughs> there's a fire going on, a fire of emotions, a fire of fear, a fire of danger. Pick and, expectations and, and, and on him. And he's able to think that way and put that punch the way he put it. And there was another one, and, and Rob will probably pick up on it. There was another spot just before that, and and I'm sure Rob will grab it, where he, I'm gonna name the punch, a corkscrew punch. I, I tell you. I was going to ask I've never, you about I, that. I don't think I've ever seen it before.
0: I was going to ask you that he looked to put a little water in the basement. He hit him with some body shots. And then correct me if I'm wrong. Because this is how I interpret it. Rob and I. <laughs> Rob and I watched this fight after the um, Saturday night event at the hall. We watched it back in the hotel room. It looked to me like he softened him up with some body shots. And then Rolls almost like amateurish. Put his head down. Which allowed Triple G to hit him with a corkscrew square on top oh, of his no, head because he took his eyes off that's him. That's a good point. Triple G, put the air muffs on, but not only put the air on, but took his eyes off his opponent, and like an amateur, put his head down because he had no other defense. And Triple G, like a veteran, placed the Right there, there it is. Right now, on top yes, of his now head. Yeah,
1: you're right. To take a punch, you have to see it exactly. So he's taking his eyes out of play here. He being rolls now, watch and slow, stop. See, his head's down now. He can't see it. So, what he does is he changed the trajectory again and he threw that like corkscrew punch and clipped him on top of you know, like he did it to him twice. uh, Yeah, the first uh, one was was worse when he
0: first got him in trouble earlier in the round. It uh, was a big one.
1: uh, Now, watch, see, boom. And he catches him, he don't see so it hurts him. Very much. And then of course he's able to continue and you know and keep the rhythm of the offense going. But again, creativeness, um, the sign of a champion, th- the ability to be calm in an uncommon place, to see things, to think clearly, uh, where others would not think clearly in that kind of atmosphere. It's all what makes a great fighter. It's all yeah. what makes a champion. And it was on display. And I just wanted to make sure the people, because some of that stuff is subtle enough where you might not have seen it yourself. Yeah. You might not have caught it. And it's not an accident. He, it happened because he made it happen. Yeah. Because he saw the opportunity, like you said. He saw the guy's eyes go down. He said, okay, now there's no opening here. Let me,
0: let me create an opening by creating a punch. You know what it reminds me of? If you see um, a well seasoned veteran sparring with someone who's new to sparring at that level, where Triple G was so comfortable and relaxed, and he noticed that the guy was taking his eyes off him and putting his head down. And it almost looked like a a, 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 re- a move that a veteran might do in a sparring session, just clowning. But he saw the opportunity. And really, that first corkscrew punch is what first got Rolls in trouble. If, you, if we can go back far enough, you'll There's see another he one, starts too. to get staggered and that's when the beginning of the end.
1: Now there was another one of those punches that was even more there it is. Oh, there I it is. That's I it right there. Perfect spot. That was that Rob really caught it well with that with that um with that video right there. So again kudos to him, credit to him. You know, you could say and and I don't blame you for saying it because I'm the first one to say it. Teddy, but you know, he was in there with a lesser opponent yes but not everybody gets rid of a lesser opponent that way he got rid of them the way you're supposed to get rid of a lesser opponent and um to that he gets credit for sure
0: and um speaking of getting opponents out of there quickly that brings us to the next fight i wanted to talk about and that's the one that just happened um this saturday with um tyson fury um against tom schwartz and we've previewed that extensively and spoke to um, Schwartz's past fight and some of the character that he's shown in different in different situations. And, um, you know, there's a lot to discuss in this fight. But first Can I, I say want, one thing? Yeah, of course.
1: I'm going to, again, full disclosure, full disclosure. Uh, we did say on this air that, first of all, we brought out some video on one of George's opponents which was exhibit a and we were not in a court of law but you know we're in this uh podcast business it was exhibit a if you were in a court of law of why this was not a legitimate opponent i think that's fair that's a tough word it's a tough word i'm being it's tough but i think it's fair especially in the aftermath but uh but we said it before. Anyone could say something afterwards. Say that guy stunk. That guy's yeah. terrible. Ah, pew pew. Uh, you, I think you should say it first, but not after. It's pretty easy to say it after. But we questioned. We might even save some people a few bucks, <laughs> maybe. Uh, but we not that it cost that much to get that that one, but. We definitely might have saved some people where they could have went out on a date with their wife instead uh, instead of staying around to watch that. And the reason was we did our due diligence, which we do here, and we, we know what we're looking at, I think. And I looked at tape and I saw one of his opponents where basically Schwartz uh, spit the bit and was looking to get out you know he he was looking to get out he laid on the floor he took a dive like greg luganis in in, in the olympics off the high board yeah. i mean uh, luganis, is, uh, luganis is form was a little better but uh, he he took a flop for sure he, and <laughs> and he laid on the floor and fighters don't do that and i said i'd rather fight a who behaves like a fighter than one who looks like a fighter yep. you know he had a 24-0 record he had all that stuff and you know he, he looked okay he looked okay but he wasn't okay when the moment came we saw it yeah. of course the promoter doesn't want you to know that nobody you, you know, know, that know that video you couldn't t-
0: find it anymore on youtube the days before the fight honest to god really two or three really people, i didn't know that i promise you oh my two goodness. or three people came up to Jesus. me at the fight at the fury fight and said I like that part. The, I like the bit that you guys did on the preview of this fight showing that Gashi incident because everyone who anyone who would watch that would say, he's full of crap. He didn't really get that hurt. Now, okay, the guy headbutted him, and he did. But he, he went down like he had been shot with a sniper rifle. He needed first aid. They're rubbing his head. His eyes are closed. As soon as the ref says, I'm not DQing that guy, he's back up and fights another three rounds. And it basically was exposing the fact that he was looking for a DQ yeah. Okay, it was an aggressive headbutt, but, I mean, it didn't cut him. The guy was dirty. He, went, he the- went
1: down like the scene in The Godfather where the Godfather was in the backyard with his grandson in the tomato patches. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he, he, he went down. I mean, you know, I don't know. If, I, I think that movie got an Oscar. I think, uh, I, I think that uh, Brando got an Oscar. If, if he had been a stunt double for Brando, he would have gotten at least an Emmy. Yeah. Uh, I I mean I don't know if they give if I'm mixing all apples and oranges here if they give Emmys to that stuff but he he would have gotten some kind of award uh, but you don't get it in boxing and uh, you and for me again a tough word but for me that ex- we exposed him a little bit for what he wasn't I think that's fair yeah and again we're not doing stuff you know Monday morning quarterback and uh you know after the Sunday afternoon game. This was, we were doing a Saturday before the game. And that's why on his air, and, and full disclosure, because I'm going to say where I was wrong or where I was off. Yeah. I was, I said at first, you asked me, because you, you want to put that element of the show out there for mm-hmm. people that are inclined to bet. And we, um, I said four rounds. I said four, it could go four rounds if, but there's an if. Yep. There's a variable. Fury likes to play around. Mm-hmm. He's like my grandson. He likes to play with his food before he eats it. Yep. Right. So he likes to play around. So if he plays around, it's going nine. Mm-hmm. And but if he don't play around, it could go four. Uh, it wound up going two. So I I did make a statement on ESPN that he would knock him out, and I I was pretty clear on what I thought Fury was and I matter of fact I used the analogy he's a nice car and I did it on his air yep. he's a nice car you'll see in a car lot; lot it's, it's got the tire shine on it the, the, the car has got that beautiful couple coats of wax on it like you do on your cars because <laughs> I, I've seen your cars and all, all that it's beautiful beautiful but then you open up the hood there's no engine and as a matter of fact this time I thought there was no carburetor I yep. mean, there wasn't even a copyright. And so I said that on ESPN, but then when I was asked to give a number, I said, because I think I had to go one way or the other. Yeah, And I was wrong. And because, I mean, I was right, but I was wrong in a way that I said nine rounds because I thought he would play with them enough. What I didn't calculate was how bad, Schwartz, Schwartz was to the point that like to quote one of the greatest boxing people the late great friend of mine but I think he was one of the greatest boxing people ever ever Mickey Duff mm-hmm. he ran England um, back in the day he ran England before Hearn and before before Warren before any of those guys and he he used to say Teddy This guy is harder to miss than he is to hit. (laughs) (laughs) That was Schwartz. It was harder to miss him than to hit him. So once I saw that in the first round, I was watching the governor for ESPN. I said, oh, I should have went with the under. (laughs) I said, because this guy, I, I think that Fury started the first round in the way that I said you That's know, right. l- like my grandson, he's gonna play with his food before he eats it. But you know, helicopter and uh, here mm-hmm. comes the airplane. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm and, with yeah. you. But I thought the same but thing. then he, because he was staying outside, he was he was jabbing, he was moving, he was, you know, he's a he's got the mentality of a little man in a big man's in a heavyweight yep. body. Yeah, he's David and Goliath's body. You know where? And I'm not knocking him. I, I think he's. One of the best, if not the best heavyweights out there, probably the best technical heavyweight right now, no doubt about it, but the point I'm making is to his credit, his when I say the mind of a lightweight where he's jabbing he's moving, he's doing the technical things, he's using his legs, he's doing things that you you don't normally see from a heavyweight. That's yeah. the point I'm making, and uh, at least the heavyweight of this day this day and age, and he. So he started out that way, and that's why I went with the over, because I figured he'd do that for a few. Hours. But once he saw how easy this was, was like I said, he gets insulted if you miss him. Yeah. So once he saw that, he was like in the second round, he came out. And if you needed proof, did you, you ever see those cartoons? Where you used to read those cartoons, where they put the cloud up above the guy, what the guy's thinking, the thought bubble, yeah, the thought bubble. <laughs> yeah. So what he's thinking, yeah. If there was a thought bubble above above fury, you know, he didn't have to say anything. The thought bubble in the second round was when he turned southpaw, when he didn't get touched a punch, and he turned like in other words, oh, this is easier than I thought. I could be anything tonight. Schwartz I,
0: threw thirty punches, landed but, six, but
1: but by coming out. Sometimes you say things in your action, yep. in your body language. By coming out South he didn't have to say nothing. But you know what he was saying? This guy's bad. Yeah, yeah. I, I could do what I want. Oh my! I could be I I could be Gene Tunney. I could be Muhammad Ali. I could be Joe Lewis. I could be I could be Larry Holmes. <laughs> I could be anything I want to be tonight. And you know what? I think I'm going to play around now. I came out. I came out as Uncle Sam. You know, in the first Rocky movie is Apollo Creed, right? The way he used that. Uh, I came out that way. And now I'm going to go to the second Rocky movie. And I'm going to turn Southpaw the way Rocky did to protect his bad eye. I'm going to turn Southpaw and I'm going to finish this uh this 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 fun night by finishing Southpaw. Uh, I couldn't help but think that it was more of an effort to get that wardrobe on than it was to... Deal with Schwartz. That the, I, I, I like to know how long it took to get that wardrobe on because I guarantee you that's that's where I would have been right with the over, oh, yeah. because it probably took longer to get that on than it did to deal with Schwartz to get rid of Schwartz, and so once he realized how you know easy this was going to be, he said, "Shoot, uh, you know I'm I'm just gonna I'm gonna go to him and and you know get rid of." him. And that's what made it, and that's what it is. Hey, see it? That again, more effort went into that wardrobe than than it took to give it a Schwartz. When
0: I saw them come out, I was at the fight. I sent out a tweet that said, um, Schwar- so uh, I Fu- just want to finish I'm one sorry, thing. Go ahead. No,
1: so I'm saying to you, I'm, I was wrong. I mean, I was right in my idea of the, you know, what Schwartz was and wasn't, but I was wrong in saying that Fury's personality would allowed to stretch the fight out because it didn't, and it, I wound up saying nine, and I was wrong. But I feel bad because I cost you money. Oh, that's all right. No, no, I do because <laughs> after what I had said, the first part you jumped on the under, you say, and after what you saw, yeah. you, you saw an empty can. Well, to you be honest, a, I, I, I and, underestimated And then I talked you. Bad. I talked you into going over after you bet the under, or you were gonna bet the under, and and. You know what? I feel bad for that. So I'm going to give you a pair of shorts because (laughs) these are really, really good shorts.
0: And um, these are mine. You're the best. But they're yours. Uh, A couple observations that I want to mention about um, that fight. And um, I hate being critical of fighters because I have the utmost respect for anyone that wants to get in the ring and fight another guy for money to entertain other people. But, my God, Schwartz, I just watching that gashi fight and then seeing the way he behaved the minute the minute he got touched to the nose and saw that blood you could literally see him looking for a point where in which he could quit and as soon as they started he started putting it on him like you said fury the minute he saw him connect one shot fury started clowning him putting his hands down moving around the second round just totally disrespecting his his abilities and i gotta be honest that was a that was a terrible, terrible matchup. That guy had no business being in there with Fury. That was but the biggest... Yeah, 100%. I just didn't think... Like you, I thought that Fury would stretch it out and wouldn't expose himself, but I think even Fury was surprised at how overmatched he Schwartz was. was. He should not have been in there. How they made that fight... Oh, with the exception of Schwartz's performance, it was a fun night. There was... um. Entered a couple of really entertaining fights on the undercard, but I just wanna mention the crowd at um, this fight versus the um, Wilder fight and the AJ fight, like three completely different crowds, in my opinion. I found the Wilder crowd to be the most, um, the Deontay Wilder crowd at the Barclays Center. I thought that that was the most um, kind of electric crowd. The people were, and, and not to take anything away from the AJ crowd at MSG, it was also very loud. It was just a very different feel. The Barclays felt more like a Brooklyn crowd. A lot of hardcore boxing fans. The AJ crowd had a lot of Brits there. Very, very, you know, boisterous and into it. This Vegas crowd was literally, you know, if ten percent of the people there knew anything about boxing, that might have been a stretch. Well, it was a less the, of a crowd too. Much less, I mean, and it, it was a it, lot of empty seats. Much less. Hey, and but I'll,
1: I'm gonna jump in and let, yeah, yeah. let you finish. There's one thing I got to say. That's where I use this quote, and sometimes I'm wrong, where the great promoter, the great Barnum and Bailey, used to say, there's a sucker born every minute. Maybe it's every 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's every half hour sometimes. But it's not every minute sometimes because because of the empty seats that were there. Not everybody was a sucker. Nope. A lot of, it's, 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 you, you promoters out there that think you're always pulling a wall over you guys' eyes. You guys' eyes are it the right way in front of the mic. Mm-hmm. No, you guys are smart. You guys are smart. And they they, they saw this one. Yeah. Maybe we helped a few, mm-hmm. maybe. But they saw it. They saw this one coming. They smelled it. Yeah. You know, when it, when it looks like a duck and it walks like a duck and it quacks like a duck, it might be a duck. They, they they saw it and again indicative of the empty seats. Yeah. The
0: yeah. Vegas crowd was much more of like a high heel tuxedo, look at me, let me look at you, let everyone looking around to see who's who. The promoter flew in every fighter in his stable, you know, just to create some buzz. Shaq was or, there.
1: Well ESPN might have uh, yeah. because I mean it's it's listen, they, they gave a hundred million dollars. And and look, they're not doing anything uh, I say it again. I'm not picking on th- this promoter because we said it across the board. Yeah. You know, uh, the zone did the same thing with Canelo with the first one. They did the same thing with uh, with Triple G. Mm-hmm. Same thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, they, they gave an appetite. They gave a layup. Uh, they gave a freebie. Uh, they gave a gift. Yeah. And, and we just hope that the next one is the legitimate one because that's been the pattern so far. Mm-hmm. You know, Canelo, the next one, he fought... Teddy Jacobs, a legitimate fight, and now I think that it's not even the promoter or the network trying to be good guys. They, they, they're not dumb. They, they, they're business people. They have to give a better one now if the people are gonna, if they can yeah. make their money on the money they laid out to get this marquee name. They're gonna have to give the viewer, give the consumer something now to get them to come. Yeah. Uh, and and so they give a free one just to wet the whistle just to let him get his feet, you know, under him. And now they're gonna go and you're gonna have to the problem with it is for, for this case in heavyweights, is who they're gonna fight because again, the way the boxing business works now, you can't make the best fights. To to, to a certain extent. Unless they happen to be with the same stable, with the same promoter. But if they're not, you can't make it. That's right. That's very hard to make. That's right. Because, you know, one promoter has a fighter. The promoter A has these fighters. Uh, I I like that guy. I don't like him with anyone over there, but I like him. I like him a lot. Who do you like him with? Well, I like him with someone with promoter B. Well, it ain't happening because they're not going to get together because, you know, they're going to keep them – Separate because uh, they're working with their network and they're gonna they they're gonna keep their guys on one side of the street and the other guys are going to be on the other side, unless it's extraordinary circumstances which you know Hearn and aram and they, they get together they they do things, but uh, it would have to really really be extraordinary to to get together and do it uh likelihood it's it, it's it's harder because of what I just described yeah but um so that's the inherent problem is who will Fury fight? Now, Aram's got a guy with, signed up. Uh, he 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 used to have a guy named, let me see if I can remember the name, Andy Ruiz. <laughs> and, and but, he, but the guy got released, and he's not with him no more. And that wouldn't have been a bad one. You know, uh, Fury with Ruiz for the title, that would have been all right. But he's he's not there no more. Uh, Aram gave him his release, I well, think, you know who uh, I back saw? in January. But he does have a guy i believe named pulev and now uh, do i want to see that fight no i gotta be honest with you i think pulev uh has been he's got one loss i think uh it was to klitschko he he's a guy that was i don't know if he was an olympian but he was a guy with a a huge background of amateur fights an amateur star uh he was undefeated that he yeah you guys look it up then he then he lost to klitschko but he um I don't think a lot of them, but but he is one of those a guy that uh, Top Rank does have with ESPN, and he could become a candidate, obviously, to fight Fury because he's under that banner, uh, I believe. Uh, well, I think
0: he might have a new another heavyweight coming in under his banner because, uh, <laughs> much to my uh, shock, I see sauntering into the uh, fight in time for the main event at the Fury fight is uh, Jarrell Miller. Now you would think. Given the circumstances, that that would be the last place that he would want to hang out a couple of months after um, his suspension for three different banned substances. But nope, he came strolling in and I saw a a post-fight interview with Jarrell Miller in the press center saying that he's interviewing promoters to see who he wants to go. Yeah, now you would think that the guy who's suspended for doping, who sabotaged the heavyweight (laughs) title shot that went to Andy Ruiz and subsequently so did all the belts. That he would be persona non grata. But he's these right. Events. There's a
1: market. There's a market for for, for heavyweights to fight these guys. So there's a market. You have to have guys that you can sell. Guys that you know you can put forward to put in there. And and there's not only a market for it. Um, it's it's um, it's quite profitable. It's quite I mean, profitable. Am
0: I am I crazy to think that that was a bizarre scene to see? a guy on a doping suspension come in as clearly an invited guest. He was sitting in the... Well, meeting. in another he sport, in you know, other business,
1: you wouldn't see it, probably, because there would have been a tougher repercussions, you know, more shame attached to it, and, and just more real... Penalty attached to it. More real circumstances, you know, difficult circumstances. Obviously, seems to be zero. Uh, more penalty. punishment. He lost they're, one fight, but he's going to get another one. But but the, you don't even lose a fight. See the reality. It's like David Copperfield. It's like smoke and mirrors. It's like a mirage. It's 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 like trickery. Hey, oh, they give a suspension. Oh, oh hey, fighters. Where they fight? Every, time where they anyway. fight? Every six months. In heavyweight, so, sometimes so, once a year. Uh, so. So what's he losing? What's being taken away? So that's to your point. Of course he's going to show up because it's kind of like a kid that does something wrong, you know, and the parent the parent says to him, you're not going to – you can't eat spinach for a week. Really?
0: <laughs> oh, really? I'm I, uh, really? I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised in Miller show. I'm surprised I, that he would be an invited guest no, with no, a but, credential.
1: But you're not going to be able to eat spinach or, or, or carrots. Or, or broccoli. Or string beans.
0: No castor oil for none, you.
1: None, none of those things. And and uh, you know what? Until you become better. And now the kid, he's going to be out there smiling in the playground. He's going to be running around. How could you be smiling? You just did something wrong and you got punished. No, you didn't. The kid's not stupid. He didn't feel the punishment. So he didn't feel anything's wrong. So if you don't feel the punishment, how do you feel there's something wrong? So you show up in a fight because there is nothing wrong apparently so to your point and that's how you get it somewhere else you know somewhere else in another sport i mean in baseball or something like that you might be talking about uh you might be talking about uh 200 game suspension you might be talking about a 300 game suspension yeah 300 game suspension yeah yeah, Funny you
0: mentioned that because A Rod was sitting right there next to him on the um, ringside. Speaking of doping,
1: yeah, yeah, he was there. He was there, and um, I, I had, I watched it because I, I covered it. I, I was doing the post-fight stuff, you know, and the pre-fight stuff too, um, for that. But you know, the thing at the end of the day. Getting back to this Pulev who might become one of the He, he got was knocked a, out by Klitschko in got, the fifth round. Yeah. Now see, I just don't think much of Pulev. I mean he was a guy that they he was a good amateur and they they built him up and you know, he was supposed to be the next good thing. Uh, you know, and he was he was gonna be something. I just think he turned out not everyone turns out to be what you think they're going to be not not it doesn't always happen and now at his age and at this point uh how old is he he's uh you he
0: got his age he down. is um 38 years old yes. and his wins hold on uh, his wins his wins are against huey furry huey fury yeah. tyson's brother yeah. samuel peter who was probably 60 when he fought him Derek chisora I mean, Chissot is a uh, yeah. A good, is okay. okay. He won a split decision. Yeah. Twelve. I just don't think decision. he developed into what. Now look,
1: he's a legitimate guy as far as size and as far as uh, being being a legitimate amateur background that he had. You know, with that pedigree. Well that so that's just a possibility. I'm not saying it's gonna be him. I, I think he's in that stable. Um but I'm not really interested in that one. But they're gonna they're gonna have to do some work to figure out, unless it's the Wilder rematch, obviously, because that's you know, that's what people will. Well, obviously they said at the post fight press to
0: conference that he's gonna have another fight before they yeah. try to make that they him and Aram said it. So I wouldn't be surprised if you see Jarrell Miller in there. I don't know No, I wouldn't
1: it. be either. I mean, like you said, they might uh He's he shopping again. It's funny to say it, but he he's said shopping. he's interviewed
0: three and he's got two more promoters yeah, to interview. Because, Can you because imagine? It,
1: because there's a need for heavyweight opponents. Yeah. I mean, you clearly
0: know. after seeing that Schwartz fight again, I'm sorry to be critical of the guy, but man, he had no business fighting for a title. He was his action said, "I'm scared to death." And the minute he got to him, they said that the corner threw in the towel. I missed that as it was happening. Well, first
1: of all, you would have thought it was against the law to move your head. <laughs> and, and it's not. Somebody should tell him it's, it's allowed. You can't move yet. And he, I mean, you couldn't miss the guy because I had tweeted, because Rob's got me tweeting now, you know? <laughs> and I had tweeted during the, while I was watching it, I said, he's setting the table with the left. He's going to eat pretty soon with the right. Yeah. Which he did in the next round. Yeah. But he turned southpaw and he <laughs> ate from the other side of the table. But same idea. And, the reason I said it was, you could see all he had to, he's not moving his head, so all he had to do I want to demonstrate uh, so he would he would just he would throw the jab and he's not moving his head, so you knew boom, right down the pipe boom, boom it was just a matter of when he did it the right timing, I mean uh, it, was, it was no mystery you didn't have to be the Mason Creskin you know, or Angelo Dundee Or Gil Clancy, or Eddie Fudge, or Teddy Atlas, or anyone to tell you that. I mean, it was, and you didn't have to be that to tell Fury. Fury saw it right away.
0: You could tell Fury knew as soon as he went down the first time that Fury knew this guy wasn't to use one of the terms that you use frequently is, you know, it's not a fight until you've overcome or faced some resistance. He provided more so than even head movement, he provided no resistance. As soon as, Fury started touching him. He became a punching bag and offered nothing. He he landed six total punches in almost two full rounds. It was really disappointing. I got to be honest. I mean, being there, I was like, dude, this is, this is what you've, this is, look at him. Zero. Just go ahead. Hit me. Okay. Can I get out of here now?
1: And that last punch was a jab, by the way. I know it was a right hand jab with his dominant hand. I get it. But because he turned southpaw. But watch. The last punch.
0: This is where they stop it here. At some point, the, the corner is oh, jumping this is in to the, the towel. Yeah, it's
1: not back to the knockdown.
0: There's only three seconds left in the round. Yeah. You can see the corner yeah. behind him throwing in the towel. But, but the ref didn't even see is it. this the
1: knockdown here? No, this is the stoppage uh, oh, in the corner. Because if we could go back to the knockdown, you'll you see it was it was with the jabbing hand because, again, it was his dominant hand because he turned southpaw and he was using the right hand yeah. as as the lead. But you see here, I guess this is it. Uh, And there's the knockdown. It's from the jabbing position, you know? And listen, it was a clean punch. You can knock a guy down with a jab. And again, it was a right-hand jab. Well, especially when he's not Uh, fighting Right on the chin. It was a good place shot. I mean, but again, it was right down the pike. Uh, You blind him with the first punch, and the second punch, you get it in there. He doesn't see it because he's got the earmuffs on, you know? And, um, you know, he's in that peekaboo where he's you know he's peekaboo that was just uh, like well well, the peekaboo without any boo exactly or or any peak or any no definitely no movement you know you're supposed to be moving a little bit it was uh, just
0: it was just massively disappointing and it's kind of a waste to even talk about schwartz anymore But but i will say fury for to his credit I thought he looked nice. He was moving yeah. really good. No, I thought I his- think
1: he's the best technical heavyweight. I'm gonna give him all the kudos in the world. I think he's probably the best technical heavyweight there is out there right now and he's an entertainer and we That's appreciate all that. Say. But I'm also I'm also gonna say what I said earlier with uh with Triple G. Uh I'm going to say that he deserves credit for doing what you're supposed to do with that level of opponent. Exactly. Get him out of there. Yeah. Don't let it drag on. That's right. Get him out of there. Yep. Tyson used to say that and Tyson was right. Mm. Tyson, you, people used to say, Oh, you're, they're knocking the guy I just fought, which Tyson fought some, you know, some, uh, you know, some soft ones, yeah. uh, you know, uh, on the way up and, he would say, "Oh, you knocked the guy I fought, but I did what a good fighter is supposed to do with that kind of guy." Yeah, and that he did. Fury did what his level of fighter is supposed to do with that kind of guy. Yeah, and the final thing that I'll finish up for this, for me, with Fury is, and I think that you have to do this because it's part of the equation. It's part of the. It's part of what's there, the story. Yeah, he's got a great story. I, I sent out a tweet. Again, my man Rob got me tweeting like like a madman. <laughs> I, I'm, a, I'm a tweeting madman. I'm, I'm like, tweet a bird, uh, <laughs> something like that. Um, so, and I I put it up there that I just felt it. It was uh, I was in my hotel room up in Bristol. Uh, I think it was the day before the fight. And I root for the guy. and yeah. And I'm not supposed to say that. Really, because you know but I can say it because I think people trust me enough that if I gotta be critical I'll still be critical oh, yeah. because you know I'll do my job like we all wanna do um, so but I am again I'm supposed to have no bias and I don't I don't I was, you gotta be just completely you're calling a fight for what it is and I will and I'll continue doing that and hopefully the, the people that watch us know that and that's part of why they watch us but I it's not wrong with me admitting that I once in a while I root for somebody. I, I root for uh, a good guy. I root for, you know, a guy that's living his life in a decent way like a Mickey Ward, you know, or I always rooted for Andre Ward, not that he needed anyone to root for because he was pretty damn good. Yeah. <laughs> but but because of the way I thought he lived his life and what he believed in and the the way he carried himself and you know, uh all that that stuff, you know. Same thing with the Tim Bradley. And so I, you know, you can also root f- somebody for other reasons. You root for them because of what they represent to other people. What, George Foreman, when he came back and did what he did, unfortunately against my guy, but when he did what he did at 45 years of age, He gave hope to people that are 45 and over that your dreams should never be over. It's never too late or too old to dream. You're not too old to dream. And sometimes we get screwed up a little bit in this society. We listen to places and things that we shouldn't listen to. And we we get carried by those things. We get coerced by those things. We get moved and influenced by those things. And George represents so many people, you know, uh, that, hey, you can do what you want in life, even if you do it and you're and you late going into it. Look at me. And I think that Fury brings that same thing to people that have been in serious depression. Yeah, It's no secret they didn't show it a lot, but he's very open about it. Three years ago, he went through a bad time in his life where he was in a very dark place, Fury. Uh, he was suicidal. He didn't want to be on the planet anymore.
0: They let him go never, physically. Get, yeah,
1: everything. And there was abuse of cocaine and alcohol and different things, but, uh, which he's very open about. But he, he got to a state of depression where he was thinking something that no human being should ever think, giving up the precious gift called life you got to be in a really dark place to think in those terms. And you know what? The truth is, there's people, unfortunately, in our society that get to those dark places. Mm-hmm. And he represents a light. That big, giant, six-foot-nine guy, when he puts those hands above him, you could put a, a light on top of him. And he represents a light to those people that go into those dark places, that have been in those dark places, that you can get out.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You can get out. Yeah. That, that, uh. You can rise up again. I've said this on his hand. I'm going to say it again. When when he got dropped by Wilder, that's that's why I got the $100 million fight, oh, for, yeah. getting yep. for getting up. For getting up. I'm going to say it again. I believe... I saw the replay again. His eyes were open. I believe he was there thinking about whether or not to get up. Yeah. A lot of people would say, he was thinking... Yeah. Yeah, even more so now. I I believe it. And that's just my own beliefs. And he was thinking about where he'd been mm. and he where he didn't want to go back to. And bang, he got up. And there's always time to get up. And I said it on this air, I'll say it again. For those people out there, it's always time to get up. And he represents, he represents that example to all those people out there that have gotten to a place that they, they don't want to be in, a place that's devoid of hope a place that's sad, a place that's dark. Uh, He represents all of them. Just, there's a lot of people out there that they need a reason to exist. Yeah. They've lost their reason to exist. He lost it. And he reminds, for me, his story reminds people what we talk about on this podcast when I started this with you, that we are all in a fight every day. doesn't have to be a physical fight, but we all fight for something. You know, many different things. Some people fight for approval, success, validation of some kind, or just to know that there's a reason for you to, to be here. And that there's a call for you. And he kind of reminds you that you have to find a reason to answer that call. Each day, the reason could be as simple as seeing it rain again. So you can feel, you know, the clear and clean air when it stops, or it can be to walk out on a stage. Any stage. You know, it doesn't have to be a ring any stage, and say, I'm ready. You know, say I bring my heart, my mind, my spirit, my ideas, my beliefs, my cares, my doubts. I want to live. I'm ready to fight. I'm the Fury. (laughs) Well, he's definitely living. and, And for me, that's what I see when I see him. And that's bigger than any arena I don't care. That's bigger than any ring, whether it's an 18-footer or a 24-footer. They get big sometimes. It's, it's bigger than any of those things because it's as big as something called hope. Mm-hmm. And nothing's bigger than hope. And nothing's more important than hope. And nobody should have it taken away from them. Nobody. And he gives it back to them. And for that, I root for him. I appreciate him. And uh, go Fury.
0: Yeah, he's definitely the showman. I mean, he's got probably the biggest personality in the sport right now, and he definitely puts on a show. He, put, he promotes the fight really well, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing him do it again with Wilder. I think they'll put on a really entertaining promotion, be a big build up for the fight, and could be one of the biggest fights we've seen maybe ever. Um you know it'll be even
1: bigger I, I and a lot of people are gonna be surprised to say, eh, Teddy there's and one other thing I want to say, people love redemption, mm-hmm. and he brings redemption, it's powerful, it's more powerful than a left hook, yeah it's more powerful than a straight right hand, and we all want it, and we all hope that it's there for us, and he reminds us it is. Sometimes you just gotta go get it. You gotta go dare, dare, dare to make a mistake, dare to be wrong, dare to flop again, (laughs) but dare to live. And you know, he, a fight that could be even bigger than a rematch with Wilder, even after the terrible performance is if Joshua beats Ruiz in a rematch, because that's going to be in London, in an arena that'll fill ninety thousand seats, and you have redemption on both sides. Oh yeah, <laughs> oh my goodness, that like 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 the trainer said, like the trainer said in the first Rocky movie, when they were getting ready for the promotion and all the the Tyian against Apollo Creed, and, and he said. It's like some damn horror movie. I mean, that's a movie. Yeah. That's a movie. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's there's some if people do what they're supposed to do. Yeah, the 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 Wilder fight with Fury, it's it's huge, no doubt about it, but there's a few others.
0: Oh, yeah. Heavyweight division is on fire, and uh, like they say, as goes the um, heavyweight division, so goes the rest of the sport. It appears to be the case. Seems to be a lot of excitement now, and uh, as you know, I'm always excited to go see the fights. <laughs> you, you're you the man.
1: You're, you're, you're the, I mean, people, I, I get phone calls. Uh, you know, uh, it's, I don't know if this fight is an official fight yet. I said, what do you mean? What are you talking about? I didn't see Ken in the arena yet. <laughs> Until Ken gets here, it's not an official. I said, you're right. <laughs> you're right about that. It's not a big fight unless Ken is in that arena. You hear yeah, that promoters? And con- that's right. I need and those continue, credentials. And continue giving him love and buying shorts so we can continue to do this. <laughs> I'm because, the first because, person in the door. Because we do have uh, we have love for you guys too.
0: Yeah. I was literally the first person in when they opened the door for the undercards and it was an awesome event. Anyway, we're going to wrap it up here. Thanks for being with us. Again, please support the sponsors, 10,000.cc slash the fight for an exclusive discount code for our fans only. Um, thanks for being with us. Continue to subscribe, share the links, leave comments. Um, Good ones, nice ones. For preferably, preferably. He's sensitive. Preferably. preferably. Remember that, please. <laughs> Anyway, thank you for being with us. Thanks for your time, Teddy. Appreciate it as always.
1: Thank you.